0: Village on 98.9 Northwest FM. You're here with myself Jaime and with Carol. Good morning Carol.
1: Good morning Jaime. Good morning everybody.
0: Finally I think it's the first time that uh, I've let you speak and the microphone was turned on so we're, we're making some progress.
1: I didn't know that. That's news <laughs> to me. Probably the worst time for my microphone to be on because I've got very husky voice today.
0: Well um, despite that I think we're going to have a great show Carol. This morning on the sh- on the studio we have Michelle Macdonald and Diana Jones from the Justice Involved Young People Network, and it's a it's a great new initiative that has been put together I guess for, to advocate for some of the most disadvantaged young people in in, in Victoria. So I'm very, very exa- excited to talk about them. And we know that Diana has a bit of a, a bit of a legendary uh, DJ, so we're going to be playing her selections as well.
1: Looking forward to it.
0: So here's the first song from from Diana. All right, and that was Across 110th Street by uh, Bobby Womack. Mm -hmm. And um, in the studio today, we have uh, Michelle McDonald and Diana Jones. Uh, Michelle is Director of Advocacy for the Justice Involved Young People Network. And um, Diana is the co-convener with Dr. Sophie Rudolph, who wasn't able to join us today good morning to you both
1: good morning. good morning We'll just start Diana if you could uh, tell us why you chose that as your first song for the selection today and what it's uh, what it means to you
2: yeah so that's a bit of an old favorite <clears throat> from the soundtrack of the film Jackie Brown Quentin Tarantino film um, I play it sometimes with my students to evoke that sense of you know it's about growing up in the ghetto 110th Street is where Harlem starts in New York city and um, it's about that sense of just having being blocked you know young people growing up in an environment of poverty and and um, and without with few resources and, and having resources you know, having opportunities blocked so I think it's got resonance for um, places here too.
0: It, it really reminds me of Shaft.
2: Mm, same era, 1973 I think it was released. Oh, wow. yeah. Well, that's a good segue into the
1: rest of our conversation. Um, tell us both about the network and how it started and what it does.
2: Yeah, so the Justice Involved Young People Network was a uh, – so I started – we're based at Melbourne University. I came to the university in early 2016 and my uh, focus of my research is uh, on young people. And I was struck by the fact that many people are researching young people and doing work, amazing work with young people, coming into contact with the justice system, but um, often in silos, often quite separately and not unnecessarily aware of each other's work. And that was just at one university. So I really started to think about the need to bring people together um, across the university, but then, of course, thinking, well, we need to bring people together across the whole state, across um, the city, across other universities, but also across government and non-government sectors and young people themselves, and involve bring everyone together who was uh, concerned about issues facing young people coming into contact with the justice system. So that was the sort of beginning, that was the idea, the seed of it. And I connected with Sophie Rudolph, who's in... I'm in criminology at Melbourne, uh, at the University of Melbourne, and Sophie is in education. So we realised that many of the problems um, that face young people coming into contact with the justice system stem from them slipping through the cracks in the education system. Yet those two worlds, education and, and justice are often conceived and, and, uh, you know, exist quite separately. So we thought it was a really good starting point for this idea of bringing everybody together, for us to come together. So that was uh, the next step. Uh, Then I had to get some money together (laughs) to uh, to make it happen Um, and I was able to do that through the university and that's when Michelle came on board as Director of Advocacy with strong experience in... um, in a whole lot of things that I might get you to talk about, Michelle.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... (laughs) What you brought. Basically, I've been working for the last six or seven years in um, law reform and also building coalitions. I see the power of um, people getting together and actually working for change. So previously I uh, uh, led the Smart Justice Project through the Federation of Community Legal Centres in Victoria and this was just a wonderful opportunity to... uh, connect everyone working uh, beyond the criminal justice space in 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 the youth sector to reaching out to academics Uh, across disciplines it's um, been incredibly powerful and I've actually learned so much from just being around criminologists, educators, uh, lawyers, bringing everyone together into that space and also listening uh, to young people. Um, uh, We can be better informed and um, together as a network uh, we can really advocate on issues more powerfully than we ever could as individuals. So tell
0: us a little bit about the sort of people who are part of this network. Who do we have in this network?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, so there we have us <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> and
2: people across universities um, working, as Michelle said, in, across different disciplines. So um, you know, sociology, criminology, education, um, <clears throat> a whole range of areas: health, population health, global health. Um, and adolescent mental health, those types of areas. But also people working across non-government organisations, Jesuit Social Services, Anglicare, Banksia Gardens. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I do quite a lot of work with African communities, so uh, some South Sudanese communities. Um, I work with Centre for Multicultural Youth. Who else is in the network, Michelle?
3: Well, quite interesting. We've been doing event. um, We've started doing events as part of our work, and what we found is that our events are really connecting and bringing together new relationships. So we have an event, for example, last uh, Thursday, Voices for Justice, and it was the first time that we worked uh, in conjunction with the. A career Youth Council and another part of the university, a research cluster. And it was just amazing uh, working to bring together an event like that. You actually get to know people, you're talking to them almost every day. And it is like being in a team and working with someone. And it does, it really fosters um, a better relationship to understand people. And that's a really good example of working with another group, another coalition, working in that space um, for a bigger network. Mm.
0: So I have so many questions about this. Mm -hmm. One of them is, as a network, do you have already a a sense of some of the goals that you want to achieve? Have you done a bit of that work?
2: We have. So we launched the network officially in July. (coughs) We sort of unofficially launched it earlier in the year in April. We held an amazing event called Locking Up Our Kids, What Do We Hope To Achieve? that focused on you know, youth detention, youth imprisonment and we heard from somebody with lived experience of youth imprisonment, we heard from the um, director of the youth unit at Port Phillip Prison, an academic um, who specialises in cognitive disability and development and um, the head of the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service. So that was an amazing conversation that brought together um, a really strong, uh, broad range of people who were really concerned about those issues, um, including the over representation of indigenous people in the justice system, um, but more broadly the issue of locking up kids and what you know the the effects of, of youth imprisonment and who is locked up and and who's not and uh, those kind of questions and how we might go about challenging and dismantling that approach to responding to young people who become involved in serious or violent offending, but often young people are locked up for, th- for things that are not involving violence or very serious offences. It's just a matter of accumulating a long record of contact with police and courts. So um, that was a sort of a starting point that really shaped uh, a focus on those issues. Um, when we launched the event, the network officially in July, um, we tried to identify some priorities um, that included um, the issue of that built on those on those things that had come out of that April discussion. So focusing on youth detention um, and raising the age of criminal responsibility, which is currently ten um, in Australia, raising the age from ten to fourteen. That was one of the issues we discussed. But also raising the age of youth justice involvement at the other end, at the upper end. So from eighteen to possibly even pushing it up to twenty five. You know, exploring that that idea. Um, which seems a little bit controversial or or challenging or and you know going against current law and order sort of orthodoxy that seems to come down very heavily on young people as soon as they turn 18 actually all the neurodevelopmental research in the uh, world, tells I was just us going <laughs> to say that. <laughs> that young people, young men's <laughs> brains particularly, do not stop developing till well into their twenties. So I mean, we shouldn't s- really. S- be some of us are still <laughs> working still on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so really, responding to young adults as adults um, can be seen as incredibly detrimental, and and we can af- we can respond much more effectively to young people by by recognizing them as recognizing them as young. Um, what were some of the other issues we identified at that launch, Michelle?
3: Um, so one of the focuses was on education and really stopping the um, the school to prison pipeline uh, as an issue. So mm. understanding what what are the triggers, how do people get um, young people get caught up in that. Criminal justice system at an early mm. age and trying to really stop that because we know that if someone does get caught in that system um, and and they're in um, youth detention, um, you know there is a likelihood that they could get caught up later in, into the adult criminal justice system and, and mm. be caught up in a cycle of reoffending. And part of our work is is proactive. Um, you know, we we're supporting people um, who are working. With people who do get caught up in the criminal justice system, but there's also that preventative function. Let's try and not get people there in the first place. Uh,
0: can I just ask a question mm-hmm. as well? Um, you know, I just I, I'm, I'm I'm a little bit uh, torn here because um, there are so many questions about our justice system in general, mm. um, but also so many questions about the network. So I'm going to mm. try to stick to the network for a little bit. Okay. Um, so um, you've had a couple of events. Um, that have been quite successful and you have managed to get some pretty incredible people to those events mm. and I was wondering how you ha- how have you managed to do that at such an early age when the network ha- hadn't really mm. been around for that long. I mean to have for example uh, Liana Le- Buchanan mm. to launch the network.
2: So Liana Buchanan launching the network was a coup. <laughs> <laughs> And speaks to the... Just for our listeners, Leanna Buchanan is the, <coughs> the, commissioner the Commissioner for Children and Young, children people. young people. And yes. she's
0: just incredible. Yes.
2: Yeah. Um, so that certainly speaks to uh, the, I suppose, the validation of the people we've been um, fortunate to involve at an early stage. But it's also been due to largely due to Michelle's contacts and experience in this area, and particularly in the community legal sector
3: yeah so I, I I've really been drawing on um, all my um, network you've and resources. your contacts. <laughs> uh, Yeah, but, but you know they can see the the work and for w- what we do the work what it is mm. and they can see that we are a growing network that um mm. we want to be in this space and we're very uh, committed to the work that we're doing and um I, I think you can. You know they they tell you if you're doing an event, just ask someone. That's my mm. my best advice for anyone who who wants to to get involved with this kind of work. Um, just ask someone if if, if they want to come in and 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 launch um, what you're doing. Um, they can only say no, but um, you're enthusiastic. You're doing good stuff. Um, people um, get around and support you. So yeah. the
0: the lineup for that event so, Liana Buchanan, Brendan Murray. Peter Northern. I mean, it was pretty incredible. And I, I also think you were, you were very clever um, in asking people to speak for, what was it, three minutes? Four minutes. Four, four minutes. <laughs> <it? Yes. laughs> Which um, I have to say, you know, from the perspective of someone doing it, it was incredibly challenging. But I think you really got uh, some, you know, magic distilled in those four mm. minutes from different people. I thought Brendan Murray was just out of this world, for yes. example. Yeah.
2: I remember when I asked you to, to, to participate in that event how you were a little unsure about that sh- uh, time frame. But I think there is something about, as you say, distilling the essence of what you want to say into a very short time. We can all talk. We can waffle for a long time very easily. It's, it's actually hard to get a concise message really um, condensed into a short time. And we wanted it to be punchy. We wanted it to be just really um, you know, bringing these issues in little... Um, chunks, like bite-sized pieces that people could really grapple with and think about um, and for it not to be a big talk fest um, so much. So it was – it was. I think it was effective. We had Corey White was the other guest who was amazing. So he um, was the star and, and producer and, you know, came up with the um, ABC TV series – Corey White's Roadmap to Paradise and he spoke as a person um, with lived experience of the child protection system and of a heavy drug habit that he was just lucky to avoid um, deep criminal justice involvement I think he would say Um, but he spoke about the issue of the overlap between the care system child protection system and youth justice and the way in which people can um, very easily become criminalised so that was a really fantastic um, contribution as well I think
0: so um, two more questions about the network before we go into our second music break um, uh, where did you find uh, managed to get some funding for this you know who was supporting it
2: so the funding up to now has been entirely through the University of Melbourne so the University is very generous, or my school anyway, which is the School of Social and Political Sciences in the Faculty of Arts. Um, When you arrive at the university you get a welcome grant, so you're given money to boost your research, um, you know, foundation, so I used that money Towards the network, towards paying Michelle <laughs> <laughs> and um, and putting on our events, and I've put in, I've applied for other funding through the faculty that um, that has come off. And again, it's because we've established this good, um, we've got some runs on the board, and we've established a bit of pretty good record quite quickly that that the school was happy to support us and the faculty.
0: So the the second question, uh, Michelle, I, you, you mentioned before that it's been really rewarding to to work with the different people who are involved in the network and it feels like it's working with a team. Um, The question was around, you know, you've had these amazing events and I think the response from anyone who has been involved has been, you know, that this was a much needed initiative and it's been great to make people connect. And how how are you finding other ways to keep those connections alive on an ongoing basis other than just the, the events?
3: Yeah. So I guess we're growing the network slowly but steadily. So um, we're listening to people and getting ideas from, from people who have contributed to our events. So beyond the events, um, we have a, uh, a website um, which is ypjustice.wordpress.com and um, we have a blog and we link people up through our blog so people can subscribe to our blog and they can stay in touch with what um, they're doing. We're also on Twitter too. It's good to sort of follow us on Twitter if you're on that. And our handle is at JYP Network. So they're, they're the two main ways we're staying connected with people who are interested in the work um, that we're doing. And we're also interested in connecting people who might want to volunteer for us and, and do some uh, work together with us and to collaborate with us and we're also reaching out to philanthropy um in terms of ongoing funding to sustain and to grow our network
0: great all right so let's go straight into our second music break and we can keep talking about the network in just a few minutes okay So sorry about that. We were just uh, chatting, <laughs> and we got ca- we were caught off guard. So um, blue lights, Georgia Smith, mm-hmm. Diana. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: So Georgia Smith is a young British singer, beautiful soul voice, and um, that song I think speaks to you know people growing up with a lack of trust in authority, a lack of trust in. Police, we sort of assume if we, if we naturally trust the police and trust the state that they're there to help us. But for many people growing up um, in communities that might be over policed or under policed or perhaps um, experience racial profiling, things like that, then um, seeing the blue lights of the police car flashing uh, means fear and run. So I think that's an interesting thing to think about when we're talking about young people.
0: As I was listening, I was thinking of uh, Between the World and Me. Ah, uh, yes. Book by,
2: how do you pronounce his f- name? Tanahai Ta- Ta- C. Uh, Coates.
0: Lucky, I was oh, going to say it. Is that wrong. <laughs> anyway, just an amazing book uh, where he really talks about that mm. Uh, mm. that experience of mm. you know, th- thinking that the police are always going to be there to mm. just to get you. It's mm. quite tragic, isn't it? It is. Um, All right, so let's go back to the the network mm-hmm. and let's go to the event of last week. What, what happened there?
2: Last Thursday, Voices for Justice, Stories for Change was the name of the event last Thursday, which we held in conjunction with, as Michelle mentioned, um, a research cluster within our school at the University of Melbourne. Uh, we have a series of clusters and Ours is called the Conflict Development Justice Research Cluster. So with the network and the cluster and working with uh, Kura Youth Council, we organised this quite incredible event, really. It was um, Kura Youth Council, the starting point, well, we started with um, uh, thinking about an event with our some of the African communities we're working with and then the Koora Youth Council uh, a month or so ago released a really important piece of work called Nagaji that means hear me in Woiwurrung, the Wurundjeri people's language Um, and Nagaji brings to light the voices of young people, 42 Aboriginal young people um, involved with the justice system in Victoria and it tells their stories in heartbreaking ways but also powerfully um, hopeful ways as well because it speaks to the strength of culture, the strength of cultural identity and belonging with with your people. And it really prompts us to think about, firstly, listening to the voices of young people and, and the importance of, of allowing young people to participate in, in decisions that affect them, um, but also the value of caring for children and young people as children and young people rather than treating them as adults responding to them through the justice system as um as adults which if we're locking children up that's really what we're doing so that was um we thought we really need to promote and support and endorse this work because career youth council is not a very big organization and doesn't it increasingly has a wide reach but we wanted to help with that so we invited Kuru Youth Council to um, work with us and to also invite some African Australian young people and people who work with African Australian young people to give their perspective on their experience of justice and injustice and everyday racism, but also what um, those two communities and those two experiences can really um, bring to all of us, what we can learn from listening to those experiences and listening to young people. Uh, Voices from different communities. So that was the um, basis, and that was what happened last Thursday night. But we also followed up that incredible conversation between those two communities. So we had Kura Youth Council first, and then we had um, a panel of three South Sudanese young people, two young women, um, and a young man, and uh, another Senegalese man who works with um, who set up Afro, um, an organisation not far from here that supports young. African background people. And then we um, followed up that conversation with a play that uh, the format is called Dialogue Theatre and it's a it's a format that's been devised by a local Brunswick-based um, theatre group, Free Theatre, and the performance is called South Sudan Voice and it's um, a group of Dinka people uh, who each develop a character <clears throat> and perform a little piece about some... Um, this was about... Uh, the young people really resisting, uh, being caught in between two cultures, you know, between the, their South Sudanese culture and their, their parents' expectations of what, you know, what they want them to be and do, and the Australian culture that they've sometimes been born into or, or come here as, as very small children. Um, and really occupying this sort of third space, this space in between them and, and struggling with that. Um, so after they'd done a little performance, they then turned it to the, to the audience to interact and participate and respond to those issues. So it was a really lovely way of, of um, generating discussion and involving the whole audience in, um, in thinking about these things that do have resonance across many, many cultures and across time. So as a multicultural society, Australia has had waves of, of different groups coming at different times, and each group... In many ways, has similar experiences, different as well, and and um, particular to to um, time and to you know um, issues going on at the time. But um, there is that sense of belonging and and not belonging that everybody experiences, and the sense of exclusion. And, and I think for African young people and people of color, particularly, there's who are more visibly different. There's definitely an experience of um, of being demonized and um, and treated quite appallingly in many, many ways. So that was a fantastic opportunity to explore some of those issues.
1: What sort of media coverage did you get of this event? Because it sounds like a fantastic opportunity, mm. but the, the question is yes. getting this
2: message out more broadly. Yeah, so SBS TV were there and um, put together a, a story. They interviewed Indy Clark, who's head of uh, Kooray Youth Council. And they interviewed Njowich, uh Falch. Who was one of our guests, whose cousin Liep Goni was murdered eleven years ago in, in Noble Park in in Melbourne in a vicious racist attack by two white young men. Um, so Nyawech is incredibly powerful voice for young people and about that experience. Um, and they put together yes a, pic, a a few snippets of the of the discussion on the night and as well as those interviews. So that played on on. Uh, Last Friday evening, world news, and if you follow us on Twitter, you can find the link to that. Thank you.
0: <laughs> You're listening to Mad Village on 98.9 Northwest FM. This morning, we're talking to Michelle Macdonald and Diana Jones Jones from the Justice-Involved Young People Network. It is now 9:32, and I just had to get that happening. You know, I don't do it often enough. <laughs> 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 um, so I saw um, the footage on SBS and. It looks like the event became very emotional at parts.
2: It did. Mm. Mm. Nyayud, one of our young South Sudanese panelists, guests, who's a young woman who's um, worked with me on a project. So we've had a partnership between Melbourne University, Monash University and the Centre for Multicultural Youth on a project Exploring young South Sudanese people's experience of the media narratives and and um, and political narratives that have proliferated since Moonba twenty sixteen um, that have taken the form, you know, really pushed this apex gang kind of narrative and African, and gangs. African gangs. We've had a couple
0: of guests on the show, um, Maker Mayek and yes, Yadol Niyon, yes, who were yes, talking about talking
2: this. Talking about that. So um, Yayud has been part of this research project. She was the peer facilitator of focus groups that we conducted with young people of South Sudanese background across Melbourne. Um, So I asked her to participate in that in that discussion last Thursday and she didn't expect to become emotional because she hasn't. She's very capable of speaking about these issues and we've spoken in the in public forum in other um, uh, in other forums and uh, she said when she came to that word of Talking about the fear that young people experience. She just was overwhelmed with emotion. Um, and I think that really brought home to many people in the room that it is incredibly difficult to have that f- for parents as well to know that, to feel that their children are not safe, leaving home, walking <coughs> to school, um, spending time with their friends in the street, to know that they'll experience um, either being watched, surveillance through in public. Um, shopping centres, on public transport, but also to experience everyday racism in the street, uh, to experience racial abuse and vilification, and just to, to be constantly aware of that, the potential for that happening that generates um, a fairly pervasive sense of fear. So it did get emotional, um, which was it which needed to a, be.
0: At the same time, it's a credit to your network that provides a, a safe space where people can do that and feel supported, I imagine.
2: Mm, I hope so.
1: <laughs> is there a broader media strategy that the network is looking at because surely getting you know having this discussion more widely is ultimately one would be one of your goals if you're going to affect policy change. Yes,
3: yes. Yeah. To speak to that yeah, sure. so um, one of one of our focuses for the future will be sort of intervening in our public Debate, but we are growing the network slowly and steadily. And part of that is uh, getting out there, estra- establishing a relationship with journalists, with media, and being available for, for media comment on issues, that kind of thing. We think we can. Um, provide valuable comment and analysis on a whole range of issues from from Peter Dutton saying uh, you know it's not safe to go out to eat at night in Melbourne uh comments like that that you know we really have to take on and actually address and actually communicate to people that um that's not the way it really is in Melbourne that um it's not like that yeah definitely
0: yeah Michelle I, I can't I know that you're a lawyer and some of the stuff that we have talked about here um I have had limited limited experience in um in the courts supporting young people sometimes and people who are not so young as well mm. um One of the things that always strikes me is how foreign uh the whole conversation about what is happening to someone is you know mm. like they are they're in the courtroom, mm. and the magistrate, the lawyers the attorney everyone they're talking about that person as if they were not in the room and they are really not involving them and the language that they use is completely alienating because it's yeah. really hard to understand even for someone who is tertiary uh, trained and all of that yeah um when are we going to change that
3: yeah well th- i acknowledge the criminal justice system is uh, a law unto itself almost it is it is um uh, law speak it's not speaking in, in plain english and it excludes uh, the person who's there that is being charged with an offence, they can't understand what is happening. And without a lawyer, mm-hmm. even if they do have a lawyer, um, not all lawyers are the same. Some lawyers um, who specialise in youth justice issues are better, but um, often you have a young person who uh, doesn't understand the process. Um, we do have some specialised courts that are uh, coming to Victoria. So um, there's the curry uh, Ko- Youth uh court. Um, So one way around that is, uh, I think, the introduction of specialised courts that really uh, work in a way that a young person can understand. Mm -hmm. But above and beyond that, it is about diverting people, getting people out of the criminal justice system. We really don't want young people um, in what is really an adult world uh, of cr- uh, of criminal trials, I mean even adults can't understand the the system when they go through it, neither can people who are witnesses uh, victims it's a pretty hard environment to be working in day day out yeah. I
0: think this is the opportunity, Carol to um, plug uh, so some of the other interviews we've had on this show and um, in particular I'm thinking about uh, Russell Marx. Who is the author of a book called *Crime and Punishment*? And he was he w- he's been with us uh, before on Mad Village, but also before when we were environmentality, and um, you know, talking very much about that, the fact that it's a system that excludes people, and uh, both actually both perpetrators and victims as well. You know that mm-hmm. victims are not properly mm-hmm. involved in this, and that that's something that has to change. So yeah, um, check check out that story that. that podcast Mm -hmm. um all right so let's go to the next uh, music selection Mm -hmm. um what do we have here oh liam bridges yes actually diana you want to tell us something about that before we play it
2: um yes it's (laughs) a a song i really
0: like (laughs) (laughs)
2: it's a great song he's a great singer um an incredibly musical so i like this song it's called bad bad news because it speaks of um the way in which young people can be labelled and, you know, tarred as, as bad news and you'll never be anything, um, yet be so full of potential and amazing strength. And I think that's one of the things that came out last Thursday at our event um, and has come out through all my work with with young people, but particularly with the South Sydney's young people, these incredibly powerful, eloquent, confident, um, capable young people who are so often if we just follow the the media narratives, yeah, yeah, demonized and and put down as, you know, poor refugee, you know, background, young people who won't ever amount to much. Um, That's just so untrue. And I think this song speaks to that. That's why I love it. Beautiful.
0: Let's hear it. I reckon we'll stop it there. I wasn't quite sure if that was the end. So that was mm-hmm. Bad, Bad News, Leon Bridges. Check him out if you haven't already. Mm-hmm. All right, so um, let's talk about uh, the Victorian election. Mm. So as the Justice Involved Young People Network, I imagine that you will have some fairly strong views on what needs to happen for young people in the justice system in Victoria. Mm,
2: we do. <laughs> <laughs> We're hoping for a particular outcome, <laughs> 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 and uh, feeling quite confident that uh, that the the most the least punitive, well, no, actually, a middle ground. Stephen uh,
0: Jolly is not going to make it. No. no. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, so Victoria has traditionally had, you know. In terms of Australian jurisdictions, criminal justice jurisdictions, each each state does criminal justice differently. Each state's a separate jurisdiction. So state government in that respect is very important in determining policy. And Victoria traditionally has been a bit of the jewel in the crown of Australian youth justice particularly, um, having set up a system over over decades uh, that sees young people as young people, responds to them as children, sees them as... um, uh, more likely than older people and adults to be able to be diverted away from offending behaviour relatively easily and, um, and to place less emphasis on punitive responses such as imprisonment. However, we have seen this increased um, punitive narrative and a heavier emphasis on law and order in recent, over the last recent time so we're hoping that once the election is over we can actually start to intervene effectively and shape policy in more effective ways
0: i i see um i mean i i think f- it needs to be acknowledged that this is a really difficult space for politicians mm. because explaining these complex issues in 20 second um, mm. s- snippets is not mm. easy mm. um but i you know this Victorian government, which you know, if I I am gonna say it, I think that they have overall they have done a pretty brilliant brilliant job over the last three years, mm. and I didn't vote for them, but I mm. think they have been pretty brilliant. Mm. Um, but at the same time, uh, when they get caught up in the narrative that is put uh, forward by the by the libs by Matthew Guy about mm. all this terrible crime that happens in mm. Victoria, when you know cr- when crime rates have been going down for the last two years, mm.
2: um, longer.
0: Even longer, mm. yeah. Mm. I, I mean, overall, we have a trend that mm. is, what, mm. a decade old or something mm. like that. Anyway, but the point is that quite often they can get carried away or, you know, they feel that they have to do something to show that they are tough on crime. Yes. And then there are responses that are not consistent with everything else, else that they are doing. And
1: to put that yeah. in a political context, this election will be determined in about four or five out of suburban seats. Mm. Um, and it t- tends to be in those areas that the, the fake messages are concentrated. Yes. Mm. So, yes. anyone who's actually interested in a particular outcome, I guess, needs to be mindful of where those decisions are going to be made yes. that will determine the outcome.
2: Yeah, and that fake um, aspect—that you know, the the distortion of um, the reality of you know the risk of being victimised in—and um, the risk of uh, crime taking over your suburb—it does have a different. Um, cast over it in particular areas that are plagued by higher levels of violence than other areas. So there are areas where, you know, kids are a bit out of control and there have been some horrific, you know, carjackings and home invasions. The type of offenses that do terrify people so it's we have to on one hand acknowledge that fear that genuine fear um but we must really also try and emphasize the the scale and the the yeah but also exactly it's being able to explain it's trying to do that is what
0: is going to be most effective to deal with those things and this is what's what's Mm. not happening but i I just wanted to point out to one particular uh, measure which was the you know when the government decided to um Divert, uh, you know, youth justice in general had been looked after by the Department of Health and Human Services. Mm-hmm. And it Still was asking. just a couple of years ago mm-hmm. that they decided to move it to the Department of Justice and Regulation. And I think, I mean, apart from some practical implications, but I think um, it also has pretty strong symbolic indications as well, because we need to be able to, sa- to say, well, for young people, as for all the reasons that you mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, there needs to be a different, a separate stream. Mm. Um, Anyway, so it uh, it is a really tricky uh, issue. And, uh, yeah, but um, I guess the other thing as well is acknowledging that there have been so many positive reforms in Victoria um, and that we need to do something not to lose ground, no?
3: Exactly. So the idea of having a Supermax Juvenile detention Centre at Cherry. Creek. Uh, we believe that's not the way forward. We really have to go back uh, to smaller. If we need to have, if people, if young people do need um, some care in in, an, in a, a centre, it shouldn't be some supermax in the middle of nowhere where no one can go and visit them. Uh, we, we think that, you know, something like Cherry Creek should be repurposed. It shouldn't be uh, a, a place where young people should... So go to so mm.
0: this might be the opportunity to bring Sana, the um, <laughs> young lady who spoke at the launch <coughs> of the network, and, yes. and also Peter Norden because he talked about this. As yes, well, no? so
2: this has been a strong um, theme of ours that um, that we've had Peter Norden address who has been a, a strong criminal justice advocate over many decades now since he was chaplain at Pentridge Prison many years ago, um, and to speak about that issue of repurposing the possibility of repurposing Cherry Creek for older. Young, so for young adults rather than young people under eighteen, um, we at that launch we invited Sana Ustami, who's um, a young woman who won recently won the Victorian Design Challenge and was awarded thirty thousand dollars with her partner, who's an architect, to pursue their plan for redesigning uh, youth justice facilities on um, along the lines of a model in the Netherlands which is based on small-scale local facilities um, that completely move away from this large, um, as Michelle said, this supermax model, such as is being built at Cherry Creek out near Werribee. Um, So a small-scale facility... Uh, creates a home-like environment where children and young people are contained in a secure setting but still encouraged to maintain links with family and with their local communities and with any supports that they have in that community whether it be with education training or employment um and as michelle said it's it's um it's in settings that are accessible by their families and their communities so that they can maintain those links logistically and physically so that their people they are already connected to workers psychologists for example in the community can still easily access and, and maintain um, the services the supports they're providing um, these are the things that will support young people to change their behavior rather than locking them up in you know settings that are that are Large-scale, impersonal, um, where they quickly become institutionalized and and develop the identity of a criminal, a prisoner, and as somebody that society doesn't I- that they're unworthy of, of belonging in that society. I
0: I don't know where it was, but this morning I was also reading something around the importance of ensuring that people who work in prison or prison-like facilities are trauma-informed, uh, uh, you mm-hmm. know, trauma-trained, uh, yes. that they can work with young people understanding the reason for their reactions and their appropriate responses.
2: Yes. Look, many of the people working in youth justice are absolutely fantastic and are trauma trained. They do understand the young people they work with. They do have incredible skills and incredible capacity for empathy and for building relationships with young people. But there are many issues, systemic issues around the way, you know, youth as we've seen in re- recent um, inquiries and um, uh, reports and reviews of youth justice practice that um, that have meant the increased casualisation of the workforce, which means more and more people coming in without those, without that training and without that background or experience. Um, so there are systemic issues that we really need to address. But it's, I think it's really important to highlight that so many people working in youth justice are certainly not doing mm. it for the money and are doing it with an incredible sense of heart and commitment to young people. And who are genuinely um, trying to build relationships with the most difficult young people in our communities, um, in ways that can create change and can support those young people if they're supported in that work, if they're acknowledged and they're they're paid well and their their um, their conditions that they work in, which are incredibly challenging, um, are acknowledged as well. Mm.
0: Now we're very quickly running out of time, mm. so all that is left is a question around the future. You know where what what are some of the next steps that the network is gonna take, some of the next activities or events coming up?
2: So one of um one of our young network members spoke to me last week and is very keen to organize a
3: youth led event. And I said, fantastic, bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle, what are our other plans? Yeah, I I guess we're looking at um you know, coming back together after the election and actually working with the people in our our network and and looking at um, the next four years after the election and and what... um, you know, youth justice policies do we want to see in in Victoria if we want to regain that label as the most progressive uh, state in Australia. We've got a lot of work to do and and, um, as a network uh, we want to be part of that and um, connect everyone uh, working for better outcomes for justice-involved young people in Victoria.
0: Beautiful. Um, It's been an absolute pleasure to have you with us on the show today thank you um, Thank you. great That's conversation um, yeah. I just want to encourage our listeners to <laughs> inform themselves to really um, go to the sources uh, you know, um, for this whole hour one thing that has been in my mind has been the election in Brazil mm. where um, yes. you know the likely outcome is that we're going to elect uh, a fascist mm. and that is all going to be based on fake news that mm. are sent through WhatsApp yes. um, you know that so the importance of really being informed and the role that networks such as yours can play is, is humongous. So, um,
1: so to that end, Michelle, can you repeat the um, the links that you read yeah.
3: out before for
1: the blog and, and the
3: so Twitter yeah. handle? We're on You can follow our blog by um, looking at us on, on the internet at, at y, ypjustice.wordpress.com and our Twitter handle is at JYP Network. Please follow us.
0: All right, so we're gonna leave you with Diana. Um, forever young, <laughs>
2: forever young, youth group. <laughs> so <laughs> I nearly <laughs> forgot. And Sorry. You, and you have you
0: have introduced all the tracks or talked about them. So eloquently. So just tell us.
2: Yeah. So forever young, this really evokes the um, the sense of young people living in the moment and and um, and you know, not really thinking about the future. Um, but also that I think all of us want to live forever <laughs> want to be <laughs> young and that we shouldn't forget what it's like to be young and to live in the moment.
0: Beautiful. All mm-hmm. right. We'll see you all next week. Thanks, Carol.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.